Friends, I pray the Lord be with you. Let's pray. God, we love you. And we want that love to be made known among us, manifest by your spirit, engendered by brotherly and sisterly affection and warmth. God, as we gather around your table, as the table, speak to us. Speak clearly. Speak truthfully in a way that we can handle in kindness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friends, do not judge, lest you be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And with the measure you give, will be the measure you get. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? How can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye for you, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrites. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will cl- see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Friends, uh, today uh, we proclaim that e- although we live in a world where when your sin is found out, it's uh, attack and defend and spend, right? When, when, you're, when your badness is seen or exposed or being known, we do damage control or we blame, right? Or we, 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 we try to hide it or we try to, try to spin it. But today, today we proclaim the good news that under the Lordship of Jesus, we're enabled to live in humble compassion for each other rather than hostile condemnation against each other. Under the Lordship of Christ, we're enabled, empowered to live in humble compassion with and for each other rather than in hostile condemnation against each other. Because in in Christ, we can own our stuff. We can discern truth together, and we can meet God right where we're at. So the Sermon on the Mount, friends, we got to keep saying this every week because I find myself, as I prepare to preach, when I come back to the Sermon on the Mount, I keep wanting to read it as though it's a new law. It's a new rule to follow. That Jesus is upping the ante, right? Not, not only do you have the Ten Commandments, but now you have the Jesus Sermon on the Mount to live, which... Like, like Martin Luther was like, this is, this is crazy. Nobody can live this. It's meant, to drive you to, it's meant to drive you to grace. Like When it's read in that way, it becomes this almost impossible moral code that becomes a standard by which your life will be measured by God, right? So when we come to this text today, uh, it's, it's sometimes easy, I think, to, uh, to read it like that. And I think that's one of the reasons why in our culture, like... It's, uh, it's, this is one of, like, unbelievers' favorite scripture verses. Right? Do not judge. Right? Or if you're Tupac, only God can judge. Right? Like, this is... They, why do you think this is unbelievers' favorite scripture passage? Because they're used to getting judged. Because they're used to getting judged, right? Because... So they're taking a saying of Jesus, and they're saying... You, you can't judge me. No one can judge me. Don't judge me. Jesus said don't judge. Uh, and of course, Christians, they're saying it to Christians because we're, we're known for um, some things. We do really well, and one of them is being the moral police for the world. This is coming out, uh, it comes out all the time, but um, it's coming out in, in particular in, in certain uh, ways in our culture in 2017. I, I don't know if you've noticed this, um, but there's, there's, 
there, I'm sure you have, there's this, in the news cycle, there's this rash of accusations against powerful, um, famous men for abusing and assaulting women. You can track in this? And it seems like it's becoming more and more prevalent. Like every, like every day, another person gets accused and you're like, oh, them too? Like, off the top of my head, here are the people who I've read about uh, just being accused of, of assaulting and harassing women. Harvey Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K., it goes into politics too, right? Roy Moore, Steven Seagal, Jeffrey Tambor, ah! Dustin Hoffman, and of course, Bill Cosby. 2017 is like the year that men started to be held accountable for how they're treating women. But it's, it's a... So uh, part of me is like ridiculously relieved that, that the oppressive, abusive culture that a lot of women live in is being named for what it is. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Like that's a beautiful thing. Um, not, only, not only just in general for the good of humanity, but that's how things will be in God's kingdom under Jesus. Yeah. That you aren't as scared of being a woman. You're not scared about around being around men. Right? So that's a beautiful thing. Uh, so there's the, this awakening to misogyny and male aggression and assault and abuse and misusing of power that, that women have suffered under for years or centuries or like, you know, millennia uh, is a beautiful, good thing. We say amen. May it continue. But, but what, I keep, what I keep noticing is how people respond to being accused and how I respond to them. So in our world, when your sin is found out, when somebody accuses you of wrongdoing, what are your options? What are the most likely things you're going to do? Yeah, or no. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Good. I think that sums it up, Joel. So one of the things people do is they call other people liars, right? They, they, they make an official position that every woman who has accused me of wrongdoing is a liar. It's fairly standard. They minimize the accusations. Well, it was a different time, and, and we, were, we were maybe maybe dating, or those kinds of things. They deflect and blame others, right? Well, this person gave me a drink, and I was going through a rough time in my life, and I was confused about my gender, so that's why this happened. They excuse or justify or rationalize it. Right? And then for me, I notice, like, in particular, so I have women in my life, women that are really close to me, who've told me stories of abuse and assault. And so, like, this really bothers me. Because I feel like it's part of my story, too. You know what I mean? Like, like we get morally outraged over things that are closer to us than things that are farther away. I think that's a fairly standard human response. And so my response to hearing these stories about men who are misusing their power with women is to immediately condemn them. 
and, and actually there's this kind of this, this narrative among Christian leaders that like your duty is to condemn this kind of stuff. Right? And so because I feel like uh, guys and particularly white guys in power have misused their power over people without power, including women, and because I feel like as a Christian this is, should be the heart of the gospel, and for some reason we'd rather invoke Mary and Joseph to defend somebody's uh, mis misdealing of power with a minor than actually owning that it's wrong, I feel this impulse inside to speak unequivocally about judging and condemning this behavior. And then I come to Matthew 7, right? That says, don't be judged, or don't, do not judge that you may not be judged. And we have to ask the question this morning as we jump into this text, what is Jesus saying? Is he saying don't call assault assault? Is he saying uh, only God can judge me? What do we do? Well, friends, uh, I want to suggest that what Jesus is talking about here is living in a way, in, in a way of condemnation and violence. Living in a way of scapegoating and blame and criticism, of hostile condemnation rather than humble compassion. And he invites us today, under the lordship of Christ, to own our stuff so we can discern truth together and meet God right where we're at. Right where we're at. And that's good news. So let's take a look at this. Jesus says, don't judge, right, um, lest, lest you be judged. The, the translation here, the word, the word judge means discern um, or decide. And most commentators think that, that Jesus is talking about condemning. Uh, one of the evidences that he's not talking about just judging, like, hey, uh, I judge that it's better for my child to wear a coat outside today because it's cold. <laughs> Like, that's a judgment I made this morning, and I'm fairly comfortable with it, and I don't think I'm violating Matthew 7, right? So when I, and when I read a story about a Hollywood producer misusing his power uh, with women because they, like, if you let me use you, then you can use me for your career, like, it's okay for me to go, that's wrong. It's wrong. Jesus isn't saying anything goes, Right? Because we got to remove logs and splinters, and in order to remove a log and a splinter, you got to call a log and a splinter a log and a splinter. We have to discern, hey, this is a log, not just an eyelash. Right? i got to get this out. Jesus is saying, life in my kingdom is not one with a posture of condemnation and critique. That's what he's saying. He's waking people up who use condemnation as a way of life to secure and justify their own power. And he's also pointing out that one's posture and demeanor, one's attitude in the world, disposition, dictates one's experience of the world. So don't be judged lest you be judged isn't a threat like if you're condemning, God's going to condemn you, which is, a, which is a, if you think about it, it's a bit like, don't hit your sister or I'm going to hit you. 
right? As a parent, like in parenting, we would go, "Now nah, that's probably not. That's B minus parenting. You're gonna need. You're gonna need a little help. Here's some focus on the family tapes. You know, like, like that'll get you to a B. I'll get you to a solid B, right? No, like Jesus isn't saying, "Don't hit your sister. I'm gonna hit you." He's what he's doing is he's saying, if you decide to live in the way of condemnation, you you will have no choice but to experience condemnation. If everyone's always an idiot, people will treat you like an idiot. You will create